Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 154 of Intuitive Bites. Today I'm talking with Leah Hackney, who you may know from Instagram as kids.nutritionist. And we're talking all about intuitive eating for kids. We're talking about some of the nuances between exploring intuitive eating as an adult versus how we apply these principles with kids. So I'm very excited to share this episode with you guys. As many of you know, I had my twins in December. They are four months old now. Um, so I've definitely been just kind of really thinking about intuitive eating through this different lens lately. Um, so this conversation was with Leah was very relevant for me. Hopefully you will get something really helpful out of it as well. All right, guys. So with that, let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Leah. All right, Leah, we are good to go here. So I'd love to just start with you giving a little intro about yourself and a little about the work you do. Hi, my name is Leah. I am a pediatric dietitian that is registered both in the US and in Canada. And I've been working with in pediatrics my whole career um, over, I think, eight years. I, I haven't even counted <laughs> um, how long I've been an RD, but even before I was an RD, I was still working in the pediatric realm. And um, I've always had a passion for helping families, helping little ones grow. And really in my private practice, um, I really focus on helping parents preserve their kids' innate ability to eat intuitively. And that can happen from infancy through adolescence. And um, but I do really specialize in those first early years because I find um, there's a lot of questions that go on in those early years. Oh, this is so cool. Obviously, I've kind of gained more of an interest in this recently because I, I just had my twins and like this is not an area of intuitive eating that I've really like dived into. But I think it's funny, right? Because it's like in many ways, it's like the heart of intuitive eating. Um, So I don't know. I'm just like really excited to chat with you about this. But I'm also curious, like what got you into kind of exploring pediatrics to start with? Like, did you just kind of you just were always interested in that? Yeah, I think in general, I find the pediatric population has so many nuances that sometimes in dietetics, um, I, I don't know if you felt this in schooling, there were a lot of guidelines and there were a lot of rules and there were a lot of things that you, you know, it was like, eat this, not that. It was, this is the RDA, this is the requirement, this is the vitamin minerals, here's how much fluid you need. And that's because adults have stopped growing and we're really looking at different phases of the adult life um, and the energy needs and the and in general, um, adult lifestyles are quite different than with kids. And in pediatrics, um, one thing that I always tell my families is, that we don't feed kids the way we actually feed adults. We Their nutrient needs are a moving target. So um, in that sense, as a practitioner, it's always exciting because you're always kind of coming up with a new up against a new developmental milestone and you're navigating, is this a milestone? Is this something um, that they need nutritionally? Is this 
um, a different feeding method that we need to try. And so I find in pediatrics, it's just, it's always kind of up and coming. There's always new research. People are really interested in it. And I find a lot of the things that we actually think will work with kids don't necessarily apply And I talk about that in terms of behavior as well with eating and feeding. So a lot of that, um, just to kind of jump in, would be a lot of parents really think that maybe if you just tell kids that a food is good or bad or unhealthy or healthy, or if you just don't ever give them that food, that they will automatically learn how to eat. And I'm going to say, I'm going to use quotes because you can't see me, um, eat quote unquote, right or well, um, and in alignment with wellness culture. And what you and I talk about often um, is diet culture. So it's very interesting because diet culture does get very pervasive in the parenting space. And um, it's actually quite the opposite in terms of how we should be feeding kids. Ooh, okay. So let me just ask you kind of the very general question that like when I'm working with clients, right? Like so often they're like, wait, but what about with my kid and XYZ? Like is intuitive eating appropriate for kids? Can you just kind of like, yeah, give your thoughts on that? Yeah. So the concept of intuitive eating, as I know you have talked about with your um, followers and your audience a lot is, you know, those kind of 10 principles by Elise and Evelyn. And I, or no, yeah, it's Evelyn. Yes, right? got it. <laughs> <laughs> I almost panicked there. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, those 10 principles are really actually intended for this adult and or middle age group. That was what they were originally intended for. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those principles don't actually apply for kids. One of them, in a sense, um, is a little bit more nuanced. So one of them is like with adults, you really want to kind of talk about rejecting diet culture. And what I would say with parenting and with feeding kids, you want to reject diet culture kind of within yourself and reject diet culture in the way that how we feed ourselves is not necessarily apparent for how we feed kids. One example of that would be in, I think it was the nineties. You had, there was a big push for like fat free stuff. So you had like fat free little cookies, fat free yogurts, fat free everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of that was marketed And it was marketed as wellness. And then we now know that, you know, there are, you can have fat, fat is okay. Like it is, it's satiating. It's actually an essential nutrient. We cannot live without fat. And, um, one thing that I think a lot of parents don't always know is that we don't actually recommend limiting fat at all in any way for kids under the age of two. And in my personal experience, even for some kids older than that, um, they need maybe more than what would be a certain percentage of their diet to come from fat. And it is helping with their neural growth. It's helping with their brain growth. It's helping with um, vitamin absorption. We see in the toddler stage, we it's very common developmentally to see more selectiveness, a little bit more pickiness. And this can panic you know, us as parents, because we're showing up with the food and we're like, uh, why aren't you eating? It seems like you survived on air for the last (laughs) few days. And, um, you know, things like fat really help kids have those nutrient reserves, um, from 
you know, the other foods that they're eating from usually a lot of kids tend to like fruit <laughs> over things like vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, and fruit has tons of nutrients and things like having fat in the diet is really essential to helping their bodies um, preserve those nutrients. We know another thing is that with kids, they tend to eat for the week and not necessarily for the day. So that's the biggest difference that I like to remind families is in your wellness culture, you're told X amount of calories, X amount of this per day as an adult, because technically we're done growing or technically we're done, you know, whatever it is that experts think that our, you know, our bodies sometimes have this weird stagnant plateau when you and I actually know that even as adults, things are changing. Our day to day is changing. Um, One day we may have eaten more so that we're not as hungry the next day, or one day we have um, eaten less and then we are hungry. We need to fuel ourselves up. And um, sometimes we have more or less exercise throughout the week, just with our day-to-day life, stress, hormones, all of these things play into it. And with kids, it's the same. And we also have this intense factor of growth where their nutrient needs are a moving target. So I have families really try not to focus on each individual meal because um, they really do tend to make up their nutrition over multiple days. And it seems scary because we're kind of from infancy, we're on that like hourly feeding schedule, right? We're like hourly, sometimes half hourly, sometimes every 15 minutes. And I think that kind of burns into us as parents. And then we carry a little bit of that into toddlerhood. We carry a little bit of that into kind of that younger years where we're like, but they didn't eat. They missed a meal. And then we're anticipating that breakdown, that meltdown. We're anticipating, you know, it's of course it's going to be when we're on a plane or, (laughs) you know, in the car or wherever where we can't do anything about it. But it really is up to us as parents and guardians and caretakers to show up consistently with food and trust that kids can self-regulate around that option of food. Which I feel like is so hard for parents who've existed in diet culture when like they don't, they haven't trusted their own body in so many ways than to believe that their kid, you know, to kind of put that trust in their kid's body. I can see why that's really hard for a lot of people. It's so tough. And, and I don't know if you've experienced this, whether you've done um, bottle feeding, breastfeeding, whatever kind of feeding method you've done with your child, if they don't want to eat, like even from day one, (laughs) you cannot force them to eat. And, And if you do, it's like negative experience for everybody. Nobody's enjoying themselves. Nobody is happy. And so it's, it's very interesting because we kind of know it, right? We know when they turn away from the bottle or the breast, we know when they reject it. We know um, when they are hungry, they're showing their signs. They bring their hands to their mouth when they're babies, they maybe cry or even before then they have other signs too. Um, but it's just different because we, the signs change developmentally going into toddlerhood. And some kids do have different personalities and different, what I would say, eating patterns that kind of occur naturally with them. You have some eaters who wake up really hungry. And then you have some eaters who, who in the afternoon are really hungry. And so we kind of have to find a little bit of what works um, for each individual family. But the best thing I can say is having a predictable routine around food. I, I, I use the word schedule and I do, I do talk about schedules. I find those sometimes schedules can feel daunting and they can feel inflexible. So I try to use the word like 
flexible routine because, or eating pattern, just because it is a pattern. It's a pattern where you're kind of like throughout your day, you have three meal options and multiple snacks. And if they skip one, there's always another meal coming and that helps build trust with kids. And the trust with feeding kids is so imperative. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. You know, I was thinking as you were talking before about like how, like the differences, I guess, in intuitive eating in adults and kids. And one thing that came to mind is like that for adults, it's very much a healing process from dieting, but where with kids that you kind of said this before, like you're trying to preserve what's already there. But at the same time, like, again, I feel like kind of the core of it is very similar, even with like how you were saying kids eat for the week, but like in many ways, adults, we do too. It's just like, that's not how it's been sold to us. Right. And then there's all these fluctuations. I mean, I'm thinking about with pregnancy or even like a menstrual cycle where we like get these like cravings for certain things. And it's like our body trying to guide us. And maybe we need more energy at those times because we're not stagnant. We don't need X number of calories that my fitness pal told you, like it's going to change. So I feel like in, in so many ways, it's actually very similar. It's just not what we learned as adults. Absolutely. And, and I think that wellness culture and that diet culture has been taught to us about ignoring some of those factors and those times in our lives. Um, and then it's like, well, we ate all of that food. How, why are we still hungry? And we, you know, it's, we've been taught to ignore, well, yeah, you were walking around or you were hot or it was this and it was that. And you're, it's your different stages in your life and your hormones. And maybe you just like the way it tasted and it's okay. You know, we can enjoy our food. Food is so much more than just, um, nourishment and calories and nutrients. It is that culture, that tradition. It's those memories that come up to us. And so I really feel, um, I feel like, the reject diet culture and kind of the gentle nutrition part in the intuiting intuitive eating principles are just reframed differently because the gentle nutrition part is that we want to provide kids an opportunity to learn and experience self-regulation and how to preserve their intuitive eating skills around all different kinds of foods, um, not just fruits and vegetables. We want them to learn a variety of textures. We want them to learn just essentially, um, you know, to learn to love food and also learn to honor their body's needs and and what their needs are around food. And so it's con- it can be very daunting when we have our own relationships with food to heal. <laughs> right. Um, but I find that once we kind of learn to separate that kids are very different, they're a totally different population. And it's it in a strange way, it's almost like um, feeding a different species. And, and it sounds very strange, but it, it, it feels, I, I sometimes compare that yeah. because um, we want to think of it differently than what our initial, um, you know, what like has been that those pervasive thoughts that have been told to us um, throughout wellness culture and diet culture, those pervasive thoughts can, are something we should question um, because they're not necessarily rooted in science or fact or research. Yes, that's, that's helpful. I think for a lot of people, I'm sure to like to separate those things out, especially again, if the adult is kind of doing their own work, like healing process, like, let's just like separate these things. So one thing that I hear a lot from clients when they're thinking about like doing intuitive eating with their kids or whatever is like, they feel like 
you know, just allowing their kid to eat whatever they want, whenever they want is going to result in like them only ever eating, I don't know, all candy or whatever. So I guess I'd just like to hear your thoughts on that fear from parents. It's a very valid fear. And it's very valid in a lot of ways, because not only are we healing our relationship with that food, usually I say it's usually candy, or it's usually sweets or a snack food or something like that. Um, But also, there's so much judgment in the parenting space. And it's, I mean, immediate, and it's over anything and everything. Um, And it's usually very wellness focused and driven. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I like to say is that in terms of if you're applying some intuitive eating concepts with your family, the one that can seem very hard is letting go of a certain amount that they need to eat and or that they don't need to eat or that they shouldn't eat. That amount can feel very challenging for us. And when they're reaching for it's Halloween and they're reaching for their sixth or seventh Reese's cup or whatever piece of candy, um, that can feel, bring up a lot of emotions. But what I do find is a lot of instances, and I say this kind of throughout the year, there are a lot of different holidays, depending on what holidays you celebrate, um, that are centered around food. And those are actually really great opportunities to allow kids to eat for their body's needs and eat essentially like experience what it's like to have this kind of, uh, I I say unlimited and I know people are going to be like, oh my gosh, unlimited, but it is this like unlimited freedom, this freedom around food. And, um, in, in that sense, I find those times it's helpful to just feed your kid normally, feed your kid normally throughout the day. Don't make a big deal out of it. Um, Let them experience that food, let them have that experience and then let them learn for themselves. Will they overeat? And I'm going to say, will they overeat? Yes, they will. They will overeat. And we all have, there's no way we can protect our kids from that. Is it possible that they overeat to the point of sickness I've also seen that happen. However, you know, what we can do is we can kind of help guide them through this process and guide them, you know, with the intent of how how is your body feeling right now? You know, what are some of your thoughts going on? And, you know, what can I do to help being supportive and being trusting versus that, well, you shouldn't have eaten that much. That's the consequence of this. This is what happens when you have too much sugar because, we really want them to feel that feeling in their body themselves. We can't actually feel what that fullness level is for them. As much as we want to, we really can't. Even um, you know, with babies, because you and I both have small babies right now, technically, if you did a weighted feed, they might have 3.7 ounces versus that four full ounces, you know, of of whatever you're feeding. And that's okay. And I I want to say, you know, when we have parents who are struggling with, it just means if I'm doing intuitive eating, it just means they're going to eat whatever, whenever you are the one who's doing the grocery shopping and you are the one who's doing the cooking and you're the one who's providing the predictable eating routine and pattern. So what I find is if you are healing your relationship with specific foods and, or you're wanting your child to do the same, incorporating those foods in your daily lifestyle and or in your weekly lifestyle or whatever is culturally appropriate to you, um, 
by modeling eating those foods and being neutral around those foods and or enjoying those foods and then really listening to yourself, Mm -hmm. um, that teaches kids to do the same. Mm -hmm. So um, it seems like it might be a free for all, but really you are in charge of what food goes on the table and you know, kind of the, the pattern of eating. And there are some times where kids will ask for something and it's just not physically available. You're like on the road and they want ice cream and you're like, (laughs) we are two and a half hours from ice cream and, or I am not pulling over and having ice cream in the car seats. You know what I mean? All this stuff. And you're kind of, you know, this, but then maybe you're thinking, well, what if their body needs ice cream? What if this, you know, if you're kind of working on a relationship with food, you're wanting to really, um, you know, it's okay to question those things. That's where it is okay to have loving boundaries and say, you know what? Ice cream sounds so good. I cannot wait for some too. How about we do that on this day? And then we're not having a restrictive mindset. We're really showing, you know what? That's okay to ask for those foods. It's okay to have those foods and let's have them together. Let's enjoy them and model what it's like to do so. I love that so much. So it's not like, okay, let's, you know, like you said, like run over to the ice cream shop and get it right this second. Cause that's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily make sense. Not necessarily practical, but it's, it's that energy of like, I mean, what I wrote down as you were talking is like removing the guilt and shame yes the overeating experience from the asking for ice cream right it's like we're totally throwing that out the window and being like oh that sounds so good delicious amazing but right now it doesn't make sense and it's like that I feel like that's the key right yes yeah removing the guilt and shame and having and the trust the trust that they can be around those foods and learn to experience those foods and they may surprise you the goal isn't for them to necessarily not eat those foods in the long run, right? That's not the goal. The goal is that they have a relationship with them where it doesn't feel out of control. It doesn't feel that it's guided only by this diet culture that isn't bound to any particular research or isn't bound to um, what is rooted in fact and that we can all have every food in the world and we can all experience it and we can all, um, enjoy that and enjoy that as a part of our life. And we can also be supporting our own wellness in what works for us. Um, and I, I, it's tough when I use the word wellness in that factor, (laughs) but, um, you know, but you know what I mean, where we can all be supporting our body's needs and enjoy all foods. Totally. I love that. Well, Leah, I, feel like we could talk about this forever and ever and ever. And I wish that we could, because this is so fun, but will you please just share with everyone, like where they can find you any offerings that you kind of have uh, for people right now? Yeah. So um, right now I'm kind of taking limited clients because I am pseudo on maternity leave kind of coming out of it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I have a um, a course for parents who are wanting to uh, learn more about navigating selective eating, picky eating. Um, and that's called overcoming picky eating. And then I also, uh, run two apps, one for starting solids, um, with the emphasis emphasis on what's really trending right now is baby led weaning, but essentially we, um, really want to just do supportive, um, feeding responsive feeding and self you know, supporting the baby's ability to self-feed, whether that's purees or finger foods. And then um, I also have an app for kids um, ages two and up 
who are just, if you're wanting to have some fun activities that aren't necessarily rooted in diet culture um, with food and also some guides to make meals more peaceful and then recipes. So toddler-friendly recipes that include all different kinds of ingredients and you can um, search them by allergy or ingredient if you want, um, if your child does have an allergy. That is amazing. What are those apps called? So I have the first one is BLW Meals app. Okay. And then the second app is Kids Meals app. Oh, those sound so great. Well, thank you for sharing that, Leah. And thanks for being here today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys, that's a wrap on today's episode. Highly encourage you to give Leah a follow on Instagram. Her handle is at kids.nutritionist. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I will be back in a couple weeks with another one. All right, have a great week, guys. Take care.